0: You know, a, a, one of the themes that's come out in the book of Ruth is the idea of poverty, because Naomi and Ruth, they come back, they basically have nothing, they're at the mercy of what they can glean in the fields, at least Ruth is. You know, And the, the, this, this text today lends itself to multiple applications. So it's one of those texts in which you can you can uh, apply in a different uh, variety of, of ways. And some of the things we're gonna talk about today uh, will be practical and I think they can transfer over. But this is a real big question. What is our response? Or what should our response be to people that are poor? Now, I don't know if you go to the Walmart up, de, up the road here, you'll see people standing out on the, the side there and they're asking for money. It, and I realize that, that sometimes we see these people and all they want is money for uh, alcohol and drugs and things like that. But, but then, there's, then there's times when um, maybe, maybe God is putting that person in our way to see how we're going to respond. Boaz rises to the occasion here in Ruth's defense. But it's just something, it's something to think about. What is our response to this? And if you read the book of Ruth, and if I'm sure you've read it, if you read it, you you can't help notice the issue of poverty and poor. And so I think for a practical level for us, it it gives our, it kind of refocuses our thoughts on what about those people that we come into, uh, that we see that are on the side of the road and uh, in various stores asking for money. I'm not saying that you have to do anything, but I'm thinking it's, it's a good question to raise. What should our response be? God may very well tell you, I want you to do something for that person, but I can tell you something that we can all do for that person, and I do it every time I see this. I pray for the person. I pray for the person. Keep our eyes open and look for it. So today, we're going to talk about being generous to others. At least Boaz is. Verse 14 we look at the meals. And at meal time, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, this is to Ruth, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. And that uh, that phrase there, come here, come over here. Come on over. It's 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 a it's a friendly invite to her. Now this meal is not the evening meal because Ruth goes on. To glean the rest of the day all the way to to the evening. So what we're talking here is Ruth has been busy all morning gleaning in the fields and at lunchtime you could say it at lunchtime Boaz looks over sees her who is a Moabite. Remember we talked about integration. He goes come on over here. Come on over here. And so he says here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in wine. You get the Picture here, all the servants sitting around Boaz with them. Uh, it's uh, it's a field meal. Back in the day, when I was in the army, we used to we used to have even when we were out in the field. I didn't think this was right, but they did it anyway. They they would bring these vehicles around when we were out in the field. The the Germans had their little what we called roach coaches, and they would bring and people would go because you're out on the line. You're Four or five days downrange sometimes. You weren't able to take a bath. You, you got uh, MREs. And so they would bring these meals along. Well, this language here, come eat some bread, suggests that the meal was brought to the workers. And you notice Boaz is right there. He's right there with his workers. You remember other times he walked up and he said, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord be near you. And he had, a, he had a good dialogue and a good uh, relationship with his workers. So he says, come here and eat some bread. So the bread would probably be something like, like this. Scholars vary at times, but I think this is probably uh, pita looking bread, which was very good. It was, it was uh, very good bread. And uh, so this is probably what they would have eaten uh, out there in the field. It would have been cooked and then they would have carried it out to where these workers were working. And then he mentions here, dip your morsel in wine. So the morsel being, maybe they would just break off a piece of the bread, that's what morsel represents. They break off the piece of bread and they would dip it in this wine. Uh, Actually, a wine vinegar. It had been removed of, uh, when you look it up in the Hebrew, it's been removed of any alcoholic content. Um, But, and I don't know, it wouldn't be on my diet, that's for sure. This was a Near East diet uh, in which they would have water, they would have bread, they would have this dip, and then they would have roasted grain, which we'll look at in just a minute. This was very sour tasting. My palate probably wouldn't react too well to that. But they would take it and they would dip it in, and then they would eat it. Um, I'm fine with the cheese dip. You know, um, something along that line, but, um, but it was cultural. That's what they did. So, the issue here, and I, I think it's, it's important to note. The issue here is this, this meal. See, back in the days when they had meals, it was a time of socialization. It was, a, it was part of the family culture. In essence, when Boaz says, come over here, he's inviting her to be part of the Israelite culture. She's sitting among them, and bef- last week, you remember, she said, H- why are you being so kind to me? You're, you're, you're treating me like a servant, even though I'm not a servant that's because Boaz is now bringing her into the nation of Israel, which she surrendered everything to do. Remember, uh, she had a choice, and she chose to turn her back on her God and everything to follow and go with Naomi into a people, Boaz says, a people that you did not know. So Boaz saw the issue of faith here, and so now she's brought into this culture. And By the way, I think it's it's important, particularly when you have a young family. We did this when our kids were were growing up. We made sure that we sat down at the table every night. I think it is so important not to get a TV tray and sit and watch TV while you're eating a meal. It's good for the kids and you can sit around the table and you can talk about how their day was, exactly what was going on here. People talking, socializing, so it wasn't just like a meal and then you're done. It was a meal of socialization. So the scripture says here in verse 14, so she sat beside the reapers and he passed her roasted grain. Again, this was part of the, uh, the culture. Uh, I actually watched a video this week uh, of somebody. He says, you know, he's talking in the video about, I've seen that the Bible, they use roasted grain. How did that work? So he took, he actually bought some roasted grain this was one of the captions from the from the video, and it, it kind of popped when he was cooking it. They cook it in a little bit of oil, but it was a staple of the diet, and it, it, it tasted very good is what he said. So here you have, they have water, which they've, they've drawn from that. They, they have the bread. They have this vinegar mix, which was sour. I don't know if that really counteracts with the bread. I'm not sure. I, I don't think I'm going to try it. I mean, it says you they, you can get the recipe, but I'm just not going to try it. So, and then they had this roasted grain. So there was a there was a, uh, a, a kind of a light meal, but it would have refreshed their battery, so to speak. Now it says, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some leftover. So they didn't throw it out here because later on in the narrative we find out that she gives some to Naomi. She kept that leftover. And she ate until she was satisfied or full. So there was plenty of food. There was plenty of food for her and the other workers. And somebody cooked this at home, brought it to them. They're out in the fields and maybe sitting under the tree, eating, enjoying this this meal together. And again... When we talk about Ruth, we we talk about somebody that was totally dependent. She's a Moabite. Yeah, there there was provisions in the law, which we've already seen. They would put the stocks at the corner. But Boaz is, he's really going beyond what is expected of the law. That speaks to his character. That speaks to his character. Then, well... This is something to think about. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. You know, Boaz looks, he sees. He sees Ruth. He knows that she's a Moabite, knows that she's not of the nation of Israel. Did hear how she responded when she left and went with Naomi back to Israel, back to Bethlehem, actually. And he goes, you know what? This is a woman that I need to invest in. This is a woman that I need to try to take care of. I've got the means. I can do that. I'm going to try to help. Boaz is being generous. I, I think if a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, you know, there is a New Testament text that says, and I didn't write it down and didn't bring it with me, but you can look it up. It says if the man is not leading the home or loving his wife, God will not answer his prayer. There's something going on here. I I think one of the big takeaways from this, from the book of Ruth, is to open our eyes to this idea of the people who do not have as much as we do. Thankfully, we have a ministerial association here in Tolono that uh, that gathers food. We we have. Uh, money for for food we have money for uh, gas if they if they need it and again we have to temper that with people that use it over and over and over again but what's happening here it is is a it is a not a handout. it is a hand up there's a big difference somebody that's just constantly getting handouts yet not doing something for themselves that's a different issue this is Boaz is not doing a handout He's doing a hand up, and the text reveals it perfectly. So we're not only supposed to be generous to people that have less, but brothers and sisters, let me remind us this morning that we're to be generous to one another. This is a place where we're supposed to be encouraging and loving and and lifting up and and. And ministering to each other to be generous. Don't be stingy when it comes to other believers. Uh, when you make a meal, and by the way, we have one that probably could use some meals. Uh, when you make those meals, you give them and give, give an abundance, give enough. So Boaz apparently had made so much that even after uh, Ruth was full, she had leftover. In other words, don't be cheap particularly when we're talking about the brothers and sisters in Christ, and don't be cheap when we when we deal with others outside the church. Now, meals were provided, but there was also an opportunity, not a handout, not a handout to Ruth. I still think you should probably hand out at times, but here it was a hand up. I want you to think about this for a minute. When she rose to glean, see, she just didn't sit there and expect people to do the work for her. Right after she ate, when she rose to glean, Boaz. And the more I study Boaz, the more I believe he was an extremely godly man. Boaz instructed his young men, saying, "Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. She, she's eating. She's already eating lunch." She may have been the first one up. I don't know, but it sounds like it that as soon as she got finished, she was full. She got up and got ready to go glean, and Boaz said, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. You let this woman, basically what he's saying is you let this woman glean wherever she wants to glean. That is a hand up. Boaz didn't say, I want you to do the work for her. It is a hand up, not a hand out. And so... He said, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. We know what the sheaves are. The sheaves are these big things here, big bundles. But he goes one step further in the effort to help her. He says this, and do not reproach her. Kavlamik mim. That's the Hebrew word, Kavlamik mim. And it basically means this, do not humiliate her. What does he mean by that? Can you imagine a Moabite out picking in the field and these guys going, what are you doing here? You're not one of us. You're poor, look at you. He's saying to his workers, to his young men workers, do not humiliate her. Treat her with respect. By the way, no matter what status, social status, economic status people are in, we do not treat them and try to hurt them, hurt their feelings or or say stuff bad about them. We do not That's not what we're about. If you want to remember something, remember this, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So when you're when you're dealing with people in in the world and in the church, think about how you would like to be treated. Is how you treat other people. If you want to be treated if and I've seen this, you know, usually what what comes around goes around, right? There's a principle of sowing and reaping, too whatever you sow you will reap sometimes people get stuff thrown back on them basically because of what they had done in their own lives be be kind be be kind remember this this golden rule do unto others and i think that's what boaz was reminding them do not humiliate this woman just because she's an outsider just because she may not look like you she may not sound like you do not humiliate this this person and i think that's a good principle For all of us. But Boaz goes a step further. And also, notice verse 16. And also pull out from the bundles for her and leave it for her to to glean. And do not rebuke her. The word rebuke here is gahar. And that means to disapprove. I can, you can visualize the workers, they're working, they get the stacks, they set them aside and they go, like a, dis, like a disapproving look. And so here you have all this going on. She's able to even pick these up. She's still working. But Boaz understands her situation, understands that she has nothing and that he's trying the best he can to help her without giving a handout but a hand up. Listen. I believe every person deserves dignity. Every person deserves dignity and I think the Bible holds that out. After all, we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Therefore, every person deserves dignity. And when we how we treat even the poorest among us is a reflection of our spiritual walk. I've had to catch myself a few times. This has been a good series, a good series reminder for me that there are people outside this church door that don't have stuff that we have. And by the way, Ruth, when she saw, found favor, you remember what she did with Boaz? She dropped to her knees in worship. Yes in honor of Boaz, but I believe in a bigger picture when he says, you were seeking shelter under the refuge of God, under the wings of God for refuge. Uh, she was praising God for her blessings. We need to do that in our own lives. We need to praise God for what we have. You know we have a lot. God has given us a lot, and therefore much is given, much is required. Think about that as we're living our lives this coming week. And by the way, we don't need... To shun those. This is already humble enough. Right? This is already humility enough. So concerning to me is, saw an article this week, I'm, I'm a veteran, many of you know that, we've got veterans in our church. Uh, the amount of homeless veterans in our country is shocking. And it should not be. I don't usually get political, but it, sh- it should not be. But that's humbling enough. Yeah. Sometimes even it's not even their fault. When we go out there this week in the highways and byways of life and we see this turn your hearts towards compassion. This is what Boaz did. He sees this this woman, this Moabite stranger and he shows compassion to her. I think it's important. Let's soften let's soften our hearts towards these people. Let's be aware of their presence and maybe God will speak to you about doing something about it. And then Work hard. Be generous to others. Be generous to others. Give what you can, and give an abundance at times you can give. But also to work hard, and notice the labor part in verse 17. So she gleaned in the field, this is verse 17, and she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She gleaned in the field until evening hard work very hard work we're talking a woman who's now going along with the servant ladies who are doing the work it is very hard work I remember when I was in Bible college and the little church that I was pastoring out in the middle of nowhere was paying me $125 a week well even in 1991 $125 a week isn't going to cut it so I had to find other jobs One of the jobs that I found for one time (laughs) was picking beans. There was a lady in our church that said, well, pastor, if you want to make extra money, um, I've got a friend who would probably hire you to go out and pick beans. And I did. I picked beans. Um, And it was one day. I did it for one day. And in North Florida, it still gets hot in North Florida, folks. I got there probably around 10 o'clock and finished at 5 and I had all this bundle. And I was—it was—it was hot. I probably should have had suntan lotion and everything else on, but I didn't. Did have a floppy hat on or something? But I turned it in, and my payday for that many hours of work was like eighteen dollars. That was hard work. It was. You think, well, that can't be that much, just picking them. Well, if you got to bend down like this, and you're picking them. This is exactly what Ruth is doing. She's a tough lady. But she also has something else on her mind. I've got a mother-in-law that I love, who's at home that can't work, and I'm going to stick to this. It's it's hard work. I'm telling you. If you ever go do it one, go do it one time. Just see. Tell me. Come back and tell me what it is, because I can tell you what it is. It's hard work particularly when the sun's beating down on you and you're sweating. And and for a guy that doesn't usually sweat, I was sweating. And he goes, and then I figured out I need to try to maybe do something else to make a little more money because getting $18 for six, seven hours worth of work just isn't going to (laughs) work. It doesn't mean I was lazy. I just didn't want to do that much work for that little money. But I had a choice. Ruth didn't have a choice. And there's people in this world today that don't have a choice. Think about that, please, as we're living. It was about an ephah. There's a huge argument about what what an ephah was. Some measure the ephah, and these are different scholars. I'm going much more conservative. Some scholars say that this would have, well, let me just give you a quote. This is Daniel Block. To thresh an efa of grain from one day's labor is an extraordinary feat. I will agree with that. Not to mention roosts having to carry it home. Depending upon the quality of the grain and which standard one uses, that is measuring standard, which I use a little lower one, measuring standard, an efa of barley could have weighed from 30 to 50 pounds. I don't think she picked that much personally. The harvesters obviously... Followed Boaz's instructions and allowed Ruth to scavenge liberally. Now, if you go down here, there's a little note down here. In 1 Samuel 17, 17, an epha of grain could have fed fifty men. I'm not sure she picked that much in one day. Then again, some scholars would kick back on me and say, Yes, she could have. I just find it hard to believe that one person could pick that much. So I did some other research by a more conservative approach. This is two ephas of... This is... uh, Let me me look at it again. This is two-tenths of an epha. Two-tenths, after it's been beating down. So two-tenths meaning you add eight more of these, and that would probably be what she picked. And by the way, that would have fed her and Naomi for many days so one day's work actually fed a lot i don't think 50 men could eat that and so but there is also another principle here we we've, we've talked about the we've talked about the poor and our responsibility to them and what god tells you to do with them and how to treat them with respect and honor and love by the way but i think there's also another principle for us to be reminded of here Ruth worked in the morning. She had lunch, and the, the worker did say she took just for a small break. She went back to work after she ate lunch, and she worked till evening. So she worked all day. Another principle here is, and whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not men. No matter what it is, whether it's helping out over at the homeless shelter, whether it's going to your work, your place of employment, you work hard. You work heartily. Why? Because it's a reflection of you and your relationship with Christ when people ask you why are you so gung-ho and you say I just want people to see Christ I'm a Christian and I want to work hard and I want to do the best I can that that's a good principle to work hard to do the best that you can in this life and I, yeah this is this is Ruth this is Ruth she did take a small break everybody needs a break I get that She's out there. She's working constantly. Didn't stop. Pushed right on through. You know, in my army days, I used to have to get up at, well, I was a sergeant, and I used to have to get up at four in the morning, be into the unit at five, wake up my people. Once I woke them up, uh, my friend Sergeant Wade and I who reconnected on Facebook after many years of uh, not talking to each other and uh, w- after we woke him up and we got downstairs 550 was PT. We did PT usually till seven o'clock and then Sergeant Wade and I we went over to uh, the, uh, to the gym and they had showers there we took showers we went to eat breakfast. we made formation we got the guys started. And one day, one day uh, I got a note to come up and see the first sergeant. And I went up to the, he had a, what's called a blue light special. Um, he had a blue light. And when it was going, you really didn't want to go in there. And so I walked up the stairs, looked at the CQ, and I said, what's this about? And he pointed down the hallway and that light was flashing. And I was like, okay. So I go in there and I report to Top. He yells at me and he's yelling at me about one of my men who was asleep under the vehicle. He had pulled his little trolley up underneath there, hooked his hands over top and was sleeping. When the Top came down, he he said he kicked his boot and Rodriguez slid out from underneath and he said, who's your supervisor? Me. Let's just say this. Rodriguez didn't do that anymore after I talked to him. He did not do that again. And he was a good worker after that. But I told him, I said, laziness isn't going to cut it. And when I get yelled at, you're going to get yelled at. And we, he, he worked hard after that. Usually I'd get home about six in the evening. So I'm gone. 13 hours a day to get up and do that again. It was hard work. But I loved it. Something about that crazy life that I loved. I think that crazy life prepared me for ministry. To stick to it. And listen, as you're out there and you tell people that you're saved, they look. And they listen. And our job is to reflect the glory of God, right? That's our job, is to reflect the glory of God. You can't reflect the glory of God when your feet are up and like this, and you're kicking back and you're not doing anything. Oh, you're a Christian. Do what Ruth did. Work hard. Work hard. But there's also this idea of sharing again. To work hard Now, Ruth worked hard all day. You know how it is. Those of you that work hard all day, you come home and you just want to plop down for a while, right? Let the, the day go. And she took it up. This is verse 18. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, probably to an amazement. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. I think Ruth was satisfied, and I know the word means full, but I also think that she didn't leave it there because she was thinking, I have been given something, I need to give back something. And she kept it with her. Remember, we're talking about a hand up, not a hand out. So Ruth takes this back, and she gives her what she had from her lunch not to mention all the stuff she had gleaned and yes Boaz in one instant made it easier for her and I think because he was just a compassionate man while you guys are doing that just leave some extra stock so that she can grab it and beat it out he didn't say I want you to do all the work for her you just make it easier Ruth, I think, realized this, and she says, I've got a mother-in-law at home that has not eaten. I'm going to take this and give it to her. Ruth is totally devoted to her mother-in-law, totally devoted. And as we go on and read the narrative later, she's calling her her daughter. There's the integration into the family. See uh, Ruth going home, seeing Naomi, giving her this. And they sit around and talk about the day. And I want you to think about this. They had very little, but they were blessed. Sometimes we're, we're tempted in our own lives to look across the street at what somebody else has and become envious I really think we've gotten a long way. You do know the basics. Water, food, housing. Everything beyond that is an extraordinary blessing of God. And I could just picture them smiling at each other. This has been such a blessing, this ephah of grain. God has blessed us. I think about today, we get upset when we can't get a Chromebook or we get upset when we, I mean, these are beyond the basics. And I think even in my own life and in your lives, maybe we've forgotten how blessed we are. I think it's something to think about. What do you need to do in relation to this sermon? I think To be generous. Be generous with people. Give dignity to those who are already crushed in spirit. And you remember that God draws near to the brokenhearted. And we should too. Be generous. Be loving. Be kind. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then work hard. Work hard. Whatever you do, do all of it for the glory of God. Don't, don't bring glory to yourself. Do it, and uh, along the way, give back what you have been given. I think of all my years in ministry and how generous people have been to me. And then, then when I have opportunities, I can return and be generous to others. It's giving back what we have received. And this is what Ruth was doing. It was just a, such, a, such a wonderful little environment here. Boaz is meeting a need and he's exceeding, he exceeded way what the law required. The law didn't require all this. Boaz went beyond what was required. And Ruth, realizing that she's been on the receiving end of this grace, goes, okay, I know it's not much, but I'm not gonna eat this, so I'm gonna give it to my mother-in-law, let her be filled, and then bring this big bundle of ephah of, of grain home so that we can eat for several days. Ruth is a good example of somebody that needed a hand up not a handout so we'll let that lay where it is just say this again be generous be generous to people